Welcome, everybody, to another edition of the Gwintelligence Podcast. I am David Marver of Change the Padres, live at Jagoff Manor. This is a momentous occasion, Marver, because not only are we recording at Jagoff Manor, we have the entire Gwintelligence team here. Yeah, wow. It's uh, really amazing for us all to come together here. Uh, the most unlikely of events, I think, but uh, you know, really miraculous that we're able to all come together and actually record a podcast. I'm really, really proud of all of us. Yeah, I was only about 20 minutes late, right, guys? Yeah. That was not that bad. Oh, no. Uh, you're so, 25 minutes late. 25. We, we were, you know, we added in like an hour extra, just assuming you're going to be like that yeah. late. So. Yeah, but Kevin AC just tweeted that I was only 15 minutes late, so we're going to go on that. <laughs> Chad, the last time we podcasted, we we created a pretty um, unlistenable podcast. Yeah. So I'm hoping this is a lot better than last time. Yeah, hopefully. I mean, I, I could listen to the podcast. I just uh, couldn't listen to myself. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, I haven't podcasted in... Ever since then, a year. Like it's probably it's, half it's a year. been a year. Wait, no, what, didn't no, we do, did we that do was a half summer? Right? Yeah, no, we did was, a halfway. Yeah, yeah. So six months still though. Yeah, it's been a while. Been a while. Been a while Good to be here. Well, luckily, there's a lot of things in Padres Nation to talk about, right, guys? <laughs> no, there's a so lot much. of exciting yeah. things. Uh, the winter ball. I think that's it. Yeah, um, just winter ball. But before we get to that, I uh, do want to make uh, the point that we we're taping here at Jagoff Manor in my office, and. Uh, I have like a collection of classic video games and uh, Chad over here noticed I had a stack of N64 games and was like, hey, what are these? What are those things that stack next to the N64 games? So I have like 40 8-bit Nintendo games and just to show the the vast difference in our in ages here, he's <laughs> never he claims he's never seen an 8-bit Nintendo game before. Mm-hmm. Which I, I cannot believe that. I mean, Where you did guys, you buy video games as a kid? Did you not go to Game Addicts and Oceanside? Uh, no, nah, GameStop somewhere. GameStop. I don't that's think GameStop didn't exist. Kid, until... That's where the kids shop these days. <laughs> well, no, not not anymore. Now it's just Amazon or downloading off the store. But I mean, listen, if you guys want to date yourselves, go right ahead. Um, <laughs> that's fine with me. But no, I mean, you should be impressed that I play the Nintendo sixty four because that's way before my time too. It is a de- decrepit it's... machine. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I have inadvertently oh, cool. yeah, launched <laughs> nice little... yeah, he's activated, a VeggieTales. Uh, what is that? A play school? Hey, let's get to this uh, close. Oh, no. <laughs> All right. I, Good content great. here on the this is just great content. Podcast. All right. So let's talk about the Padres. Um, Offseason has been pretty uneventful. However, there have been many, many rumors, all of them turning out to be false, about the Padres being interested in trading for... Corey Every, Kluber, everyone, or trading right. for Noah Syndergaard, or trading for JT, JT Real Mudo, or possibly signing, you know, who whoever. Uh, but all of them seem to be followed with a Kevin AC tweet about half an hour later saying the Padres definitely aren't going to do that. <laughs> um, why Why is this happening? It's interesting, because what um, what we've said before a lot of times is that we believe the Padres insert themselves into rumors as like a marketing technique, right? Because in 2015, they saw how effective it was in, in spurning, spurring ticket sales. But the interesting thing is, if that was really the strategy, they've decided to outright say, absolutely no way are we chasing Bryce Harper or Manny Machado, which would have been really great marketing, and it's an easy out at the end, which kind of kills my whole theory about it, right? I mean, so, so what is going on then? I mean, I think why it's, are they? I mean, it, do you think just all this r- rumor mill reporting is 
I mean, I, we talked a little bit like before the podcast. Is it just, you know, because the Padres talk to everyone, then some teams give a random national reporter a snippet and they make a whole story out of it and I, then we freak yeah, out? I think, I think so. Yeah, I think that's it. I mean, I, I think it's important to remember who's supplying the information. Like, it's not like Morosi or AC or... or you know, putting pieces together. Someone calls them and feeds them the information with the intent of having them pass it along, right? So, in general, what I've heard is Morosi is generally fed by agents and front office staff, right? And we all know who feeds Kevin Acey. That's coming straight from Ron Fowler's mouth. <laughs> R. Fowler at Padres.com. Yeah. <laughs> so, like, in some ways, like, we always make fun of Acey for being a lapdog for Ron Fowler, but it is somewhat useful in that when he tweets something out that says... In, in no ambiguous terms that the team is not interested and will not have Marcus Stroman or Corey Kluber on the team, we know that that is coming straight from the mouth of the uh, chairman of the board, Ron Fowler, right? And, and that helps us to, say, shut up about the Kluber rumors already, right? <laughs> yeah, I mean, I think at this point, AC just, should just change his, his uh, Twitter tag to just be Ron Fowler and then... That way he doesn't have to put quotes around things anymore. He can just tweet oh, and it's wow, it's nice. exactly as yeah. it is. But yeah, oh, it's oh. he wouldn't call it's, Ron Feller a quote team official. No high ranking no. team official. High ranking team <laughs> official who also happens Insisted to own a significant portion of the team and is also meddling on baseball affairs. That's a long intro. You can't really squeeze that into 140 characters no, on Twitter. No, two hundred eighty things. Two hundred and eighty, <laughs> yeah, uh, sorry. But yeah, yeah I so, mean, we're, we're not going to sign anyone of note. Uh, they tried really hard to get us excited about Ian Kinsler. Um, I'm sure there are some Padres fans out there that are excited about Ian Kinsler. I don't there? think are any. There? I'm sure there there's a uh, a leisure fryer. If if not leisure fryer, who is is excited about Ian Kinsler? Someone is look, excited it's, about it's Ian not, Kinsler out there. We, I mean, we haven't really talked about the Kinsler stuff, but like, it's not a terrible signing. I mean, it's not a oh. great signing. It's just a neutral blah signing yeah from a from a dollar value perspective yeah i mean it it makes sense from a dollar per war perspective if that's all you're going to analyze a trade by but but some of that's dependent on what you're going to use them for right and a lot of the reports were like well maybe they'll use them all over the field like prestige value yeah he's got a lot of prestige value it Actually, that that reminds me of one thing. Did you think it's weird that they didn't play up that he's he's actually a Gold Glove winner last season? Like, shouldn't the headline have read "Padres sign 2018 Gold Glove second baseman"? Yes. Well, did you read Bill Center's article? No, I'm blocked. Oh, see, like the number ten. Then you don't know. Maybe maybe they did, and you just didn't read it. No, I think it's. Yeah, I mean, I like Kinsler as a player, but he's 37, or he's going to be 38, I think, opening day, Mm -hmm. and. You know, I don't know how much 38 year olds who are going to be 39 when your team's reasonably maybe good again can really help you. I mean, he's going to be in the utility role next year, hopefully, right? I, I think we would all hope that either Tatis starting is starting a shortstop or he's starting at third with Urias playing a good second base and then them filling the hole elsewhere. And then, you know, you're not relying on 39 year old Ian Kinsler to provide any value for you. But it just. Which is interesting. I just don't though, understand that he's the, never played around the the diamond. He he's played like ninety nine point nine percent of his innings at second base. Also, I don't think he has the arm to play third base. Right? Like, isn't, I, isn't that I, one of his biggest so, yeah. defensive uh, defects? Is his arm? As far as uh, who know, knows? Yeah, uh, I mean, usually there's a reason you're playing second and not third. Yeah, like his bat would have played. You know, in his prime, would have mm-hmm. played at third. I mean, I mean they, they had Beltre at third, so maybe it wasn't yeah. needed, but. But I mean, it, it's a nothing signing. Like, I think the most notable thing about it is that Perella wasn't cut, actually. It was uh, Clayton Richard, which, like, 
Well, I guess I don't care either. I mean, and also, <laughs> I, maybe we can think of like Asuahe was cut for Kinsler because he was released with Garrett Richard. But yeah, well, like also, we were saying, yeah, and that's Perella already and, cut, and, and that's four, it was like four days after AC wrote a, a long, <laughs> yeah. just filleting article on how great Jose Perella is going to be next year, and when how again, the team really believes think, in his hustle and grit. Where do you think that came from? Right? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, there's exactly. a reason he wrote it. Exactly. The, the thing with Kinsler though that I don't get is the team is young. They're still presumably not ready to to compete this season. I mean, no. they haven't made any moves this year that would indicate that they're they think they're going to compete this year. I mean, I mean the, only the Garrett Richards. Richards I mean, the Garrett Richards year. signing is explicitly a twenty twenty <laughs> signing, right? So why would you why would you target an older guy? Why not target one of the younger free agents who you know might be a post hype sort of player in the same way that they did Villanueva last year? Now, granted, they don't have Villanueva this year, but. In the same vein that they've done those sort of signings before, why not do another one in a year where you know you're not going to win? I just don't. Again, I think the dollars per you know that you're paying Ian Kinsler for the for the deal is fine. I don't think they overpaid. I just don't see him fitting into what they're doing from a macro level organizationally. And going back to Swahe getting cut, I mean he sucked and like probably is going to suck for his whole career, which may already be mostly over. But I would still rather. <laughs> take a chance on him, then take a chance on someone who's going to be 39 when you're hopefully good. So I just don't get it from a team building perspective. I think it makes perfect sense from a macro, like, you know, from a team building perspective. Like, I mean, Asuahe, he's, uh, he's irrelevant, right? Like, sure. We Mostly. Can, if we, if we, like, if we just compare him right now against Kinsler, like, obviously Asuahe is more appealing because we have him for longer and he supposedly has upside still. But Kinsler, like, I mean, we're talking about our utility backup man. Mm-hmm. Like, it, it doesn't matter. And Kinsler is a good glove. Uh, I don't think I want to buy into the he's going to mentor Urias and Tatis because he's like uh, maybe racist against Dominican <laughs> and South American players. But um, I think you can get rid of the maybe. Yeah. Yeah, uh, dog whistle, but yeah, it's, I don't know. I, I just think it's so irrelevant that it, it can't even be a critique of their team building so far. Yeah, no, I, I agree that it's, it's definitely something small potatoes. Yeah. Um, uh, the other part I don't get is like, if you're building for the future, why are you starting with your utility backup infielder? Yeah, you know, like, why not get like a rock at the top of the rotation or, or I don't know, sign a 26 year old Hall of Fame trajectory third baseman <laughs> or I don't know, you know, maybe the one of the better hitting outfielders that have come around in a while who also happens to be in his young yeah. 20s. Maybe one of those guys start with start there and then build outward rather than utility infielder. And then, oh, hey, shit, we need a starting shortstop. <laughs> so that brings up an interesting thing about the direction the offseason has taken, where the team has pretty much shown minimal interest in free agents, and pretty much all of the rumors we've heard have been about some kind of trade, right? It's probably something involving moving, you know, some either some of our MLB starters or or like t- somewhere f- prospects five through ten in the top mm-hmm. ten, right? Mm-hmm. And I think. What's frustrated me is that the team has been so intent on improving the team via trade, which Mara, you and I have talked about for years in that you're giving something up for that. Whereas a free agent, you're giving up nothing but money and the Padres have lots of money. Um, And so that focus on trades tells me that they're not really that willing to spend money right i mean yeah totally i mean i agree but especially that all the play all the different players that they've been like connected to i mean again uh put some salt on 
or take some salt with all the rumors of all the different players they've been connected with. But, you know, it's like, you know, Thor, Romuto, Kluber, Bowers. I mean, none of them have control over three years, I don't think. I don't understand why any player with less than three years of control is, uh, you know, appetizing to the Padres, especially via trade, because we're getting rid of long-term assets then. Yeah. I really don't understand that. Yeah, I mean, if they're not going to take a chance on Corey Spangenberg in his first arbitration year where he'll make like $1.2 million or something, then why are they going out and acquiring players who are already deep into their RBers who are going to get paid pretty close to market value for those they seasons? Or Spangenberg already, Marvin. No, no, no. Like it's just, it's just, it's just an example. You're literally the only Padres fan that likes Corey Spangenberg. <laughs> I mean, I don't think likes the correct word. Obviously, he has huge injury concerns, and it makes sense for them to get rid of him now. But he kind of sucks, and he yeah, he sucks. But, but uh, yeah, we we say that, but then we he had a good rookie we, on, year. We say that, but then from an actual plate appearance perspective, when he plays, he's like more valuable than Will Myers has been pretty much for us. Like. Really? Like if you actually break it, he's just hurt so much. Well, it's just that he and you don't really realize that he does value in a lot of different ways. Like he's, yeah. he was just so good on the base pass running that you just always took for granted that he was going to go to third base on every single. That he was going to score from second every single time. But those things add up over the course of mm-hmm. a lot of playing time. His problem was he never got a lot of playing time because he was hurt. It wasn't like they didn't give him you know opportunities. He got opportunities he at second Perella? and third. What the hell are they doing? Yeah, that see those I are the sort understand. of things. Hey, guys, look, hard and hustle winners don't come along every day. <laughs> and when you have a hard and hustle winner, you hold on to them as tight as you can. And hey, I don't see a hard and hustle award on on Corey Spangenberg's fireplace right now. Okay, yeah. So God, I can't wait until we give Perella an extension. For, but it's just like a big. Years. It's, it's just a big picture thing though, where it's like. If all you're going to do is add Ian Kinsler, it doesn't make any sense. If you're going to add more players and then add Ian Kinsler to that group of players, then it's a good signing because he's a you know a solid dollar per war sort of contributor. You can pencil him in to play good second base. He has some at least history of being a good offensive player that maybe he'll have one of those resurgent seasons. You know, players do that from time to time. But if that's all it is, I would rather spin the you know roll the dice on someone who probably sucks ass. I mean, Aswahi probably sucks. Spangenberg looks like he probably sucks. sucks. Yeah, you know he, he seems like he sucks less than a Swahe. Why not roll the dice on one of those if you're not going to be good? That's that's the sort of like big picture game playing that I'm looking at. That's so you not don't making think any they're going to be getting like a third baseman this off season? I don't know if they're going to do anything this off season. I'm hmm. I'm worried they're not going to do anything, and that what will happen is that Tatis will come up, and maybe Logan Allen and Paddock, and they'll be good, and maybe we'll push the envelope of 78 to 80 wins this year. And they'll be like, oh, shit, now we have to sign someone next offseason. And they'll be like, wow, I wish I wish there was a 26-year-old third baseman available this offseason who was fantastic. And they're going to have missed the boat on that. And my concern is that next offseason they'll be trading away assets in order to get a player. Or they'll be signing some much older, worse player to a longer-term contract like a James Shields or you know, trading for a Matt Kemp. These, these impulse moves we've seen them make in the past that have bit us in the ass pretty hard, although the James Shield one obviously magically worked out but, but the signing know, itself didn't yeah, make too much sense right i think we can all concede we got lucky in that series of events of course, but yeah i mean that's my concern talking about third base i mean again ac's made it very clear and this is coming straight from the owner right that third base is the priority and the only real rumors we've heard on third base is, is maybe miguel andahar and all we heard is the padres like him i mean there's a lot of people that like him the price is not going to be Austin Hedges and like Hunter Renfro. Like it's going to be pretty high for him. Like yeah, he, and he's Andrew got Hart five has a few years flaws. of control. 
he's got flaws, right? But major flaws. I mean, did you read flaws. that Eno Saris article? Like, yeah, what he needs he's to do. He's certainly got major flaws, but he's a guy with five years yeah. of control. Like it, it, just on the war yeah, but value ma- table, it's it's quite a return for him. For sure, but major flaws is definitely a Padres player. <laughs> that sounds like a Padres sort of player you know, to me, right? And this came up on Twitter yesterday, but. I do find it a little frustrating that the club gave up so quickly on Carlos Christian Villanueva. Um, he wasn't that bad, you know. He he was horrible after he was April. horrible against right-handers. Yeah. He destroyed left-handed pitching. He hit a home run in less than every nine plate appearances. I mean, but That's, after April, those kinds of rate statistics just completely like explode. Yeah, but you still count April, right? I mean, you, you count them all equally, or you should. I mean, they all count. Do we? And, but, if but the we thing say is, that, was his, that was his first real playing time in the majors. I mean, there's certainly something to the majors getting but adjusted he had, to him. He had a prospect pedigree. He was a former top 100 prospect. He is fielding sure. improved quite a bit along the way. And my issue isn't that I think he's going to be the next Nolan Arenado, but you had a third baseman. He, you know, he got 1.2 war in like 330 plate appearances. It's not, it's not terrible. He had a, a WRC plus over a hundred, you know, that's to me, that's someone, I feel like Padres fans are like, well, Franchi's going to be really great. Cause we just got to give him some time and he'll stop striking out 43% of the time or whatever. <laughs> but like with Christian Villanueva, everyone's like, huh, guy sucks. <laughs> and then we just we sell him. We sell him off to to some team. Yeah, do we yeah, know I mean, how much we got? And yet we still need a third baseman, right? Like, I, I guess I don't get I don't get that quick hook on him and, and thinking that he's a lost cause. Yeah, and he wasn't expensive. There was like no pressing need to get rid of him, right? Too. I mean, that like, was we literally don't have a third baseman on the roster right now, right? Like, Ty France, Will Myers, Ty France, forty man, right? 40. right? Yeah. Does anyone want to see Ty France though? I, I, I do. On, honestly, I do. yeah, I would. Yeah. I I would prefer to watch Ty France play third than Ian Kinsler. And yeah. that's what about more than because they're not going to be good this year. That's the whole point. What about a guy who hit twenty home runs last year? I think I'd still rather see Ty France and Villanueva, but yeah, I right, could. Right, I will yeah. definitely concede that I'd rather watch Villanueva. I, I mean, I put him in the same boat as Aswahe and Spangenberg and Ty France as a. I don't think we can completely close the book on this player being useful. So why would you not take a chance on that over someone who's obviously not going to be here when he's 40. I mean, it's hard for you know? me to believe that Christian Villanueva would ever be on the next good Padres team, right? Yeah, I agree with that too. You think assemble but... like a good platoon though with him? We, we, need, we need better than a good platoon for third base if we're going to be a good team though. Yeah, but still someone who crushes lefties is valuable though. I mean, even if, yeah. you, even if you only start him, you know, 30 games a year, if he's putting up what rates out to a five war player against left-handed pitching, like that's still a valuable player. It's much more valuable than Perella. Yeah, certainly. you know, every time Jose Perello plays, like an angel, I think dies, right? <laughs> so, like, you shouldn't be playing that guy. But, I mean, for me, I look at the rest of this off season, right? And you look at realistic targets or what you think they might actually do. It sounds like all of us are pretty well, bearish actually, real, on them quick, actually doing quick, anything Margaret. major. Yeah, uh, we're, are sure. we closing it out on. We all agree that AC has spoken. We can stop talking about Stroman and and Kluber, right? Mm-hmm. Those are pipe dreams. Well, Ace has um, been wrong about some things, right? Yeah, speculating things, but this one he was so unambiguous in what mm. he wrote. Yeah, I mean, I don't think I want to completely close it, but I would say, yeah, I don't. I'm it's not. not like it's not like I'm checking Twitter and looking at the. Let's put it this way: If I went on Twitter and on the top stories, you know, the the words that were trending, Kluber was listed. My first thought is not that the Potters traded for him. <laughs> Definitely, and then right, that's well, not yeah. going to be my first thought. <laughs> Clearly, yeah. Uh, Real Mudo. What about him? No, no. 
I don't Why? get. I, I don't. There's no reason. It. I don't get it really. I, I get. It, I get it that they would want to trade for him to flip him, but I do have some issues. And I don't even Marbury, like that, you really. actually spoke about this on Twitter yesterday, and I thought you made interesting points on it. Yeah. So the the thing with Real Muta that doesn't make sense to me is that, uh, I well, first and foremost, I don't think catching is like a major problem for us. Definitely not. You might not believe I mean, in hedges, and I actually don't really believe in hedges. You might have real concerns about Mejia, which I also which share. However, those are two really highly touted prospects who are young. Hedges has a lot of value, at least according to baseball prospectus, in yeah. terms of pitch I mean, framing never mind stuff. Austin Allen and it's Luis not... Campusano in the farm that are also apparently very highly. Ex- exactly. And so from for me, organizationally, catcher is like the lowest on the list. Mm-hmm. The second part is that catcher value is so bunched. Like I, people made a lot of fuss about Real Muta being the best catcher in baseball, and that might be true. I haven't checked out all the catcher stats recently, so maybe that's the case. But you're talking about a guy who's projected next year to have like a 320 on base percentage, which is like great for between, the Padres. <laughs> I mean, baseball's in a lull. It's a, it's been a bunch of pitching years. So 320, you look at it, you think of it in like 1998 terms, like that guy doesn't start. But nowadays, that's like your sixth hitter in your lineup is more or less a 320 on base percentage guy. But why would you give up a lot of long-term assets to like marginally upgrade it, a position? Like, There's no guarantee that next year Rue Muto is even better than Hedges or oh, even better than not. Mejia yeah. two years from now, right? So why would you give up cert- like a lot of these prospects you stashed up in order to maybe not even improve at a position? If it was going after, I don't know, Kluber or somewhere, obviously we need to hop at the rotation pitching at some point in time. I could get more on board with that. Mm-hmm. Even if they give up a lot for Thor or for Kluber, yeah. I could at least Fine. see a rationale where it makes sense. Giving up a lot of guys for Real Muto does not make sense. And the whole th- trading for him to flip him, I don't see how that makes any like rational sense. Like, How could you pay top dollar to trade for a player and then think you're going to get more? It's like you just you just like Maxed paid the, the most for them. Yeah. It's only if it's like if there's like a deadline and he was going to get like a $10 million bonus on January 1st, then yeah, maybe you eat the bonus, right? And then you right. there's, there's flip not, them. There's, there's, there's not a leverage position. Yeah, there's no, there's no rationale to me that makes sense. Now, I get it. He's a good player. He'll probably be good for a couple more years. But being good at catcher is very different than being good at first base. Mm-hmm. You know, like <laughs> like Paul Goldschmidt, who was just acquired for probably less than what Ramuda will go for via trade, Definitely. will have like an on base percentage like a clear hundred points higher than Ramuda next year. You know, so oh, Marver, we're no, set. We're set at first base. Yeah, <laughs> six more years. Oh. Yeah, seven yeah. more years. We it was an first, eight year contract. Seven more years. What a disaster. Uh, that actually reminds me of one other point in, is that Marvel, we had our infamous Eric Hosmer signing mm-hmm. podcast. And one of my main points at the time was that it didn't make sense to me to waste Eric, the few prime years that Eric Hosmer had left on an undoubtedly losing season in 2018 and an almost certainly losing season in 2019. And that was my view back then. Like we all knew 2019 wasn't going to be anything. Right. And so you're wasting all of the, all of his sub 30 years old years on lost seasons. And to me, that is one concern in the future is that I don't understand how the Hosmer signing fits in. If the team's expectation was actually to lose or not be good in 2019. And I think it's, I mean, you talked about how like Machado's available now, right? And when the team is good, it would be good to have him on the roster. And that makes sense for like a 26-year-old. But a lot of these players are like 30, 32, 33. And then I do question whether it's worth it to assume that risk of injury or, or decrease in performance in a year that it's certainly 
almost certainly will not matter. Yeah, no, I think I'm, I'm right there like, with you. I like Kluber, right? And, and you actually wrote something mid-season at the trade deadline about why you shouldn't assume that risk of a pitcher when it doesn't matter. Like, mm-hmm. and, and so that's always been what scared me about Syndergaard or, or, I mean, I guess Kluber. Kluber's been a workhorse, but things fall off a cliff really quick mm-hmm. sometimes. And again, they only have like two years of control. We're, we're not going to be good in 2019. We'd be lucky. I mean... Maybe well, we Kluber, can reasonably three, right? Kluber has three years of control. Okay. Yeah, but I mean, he's still, also, but, you're, you're but only... he's also 34. But yeah. if you, but if you yeah. broke, but honestly, if if they traded for Kluber, um, I mean, I mean, I don't, I don't think it's impossible for me to ideate a way that the Padres are good next year, but it would just require that they sign either Machado or Harper and trade <laughs> for Kluber, and then also start the year with Tatis and Paddock and, and Logan Allen all in your rotation. And having, I mean, I think normal luck among those guys, you'll be pretty good. But I mean, no, we need but you would need all of those things. Pretty much, like yeah, yeah, instantly. yeah. We need a, we need a, uh, some Braves kind of outcomes. Which also, god damn, they just got so lucky, or or what? Like, and they have, so, they have so much and, um, more in the pipeline too. Yeah, yeah and they had to forfeit a bunch a of guys too. Yeah, no, they haven't given up like anything. I mean, they still have. Um, oh man, I can't. Well, I mean, they gave up the, the, they gave up the one Maton. Yeah, they give up some because they, Kevin, they cheated Kevin while signing. Oh. What what they do oh. again? Oh, man. That was like Phil um, Matone. Yeah, che- cheating. I don't know. Uh, who knows? Yeah. Um, Just not the, cheating as well as AJ does. Not as good well, as One Pro. thing with Kluber is I, I do think some of the trade proposals I've seen on Padres Twitter are kind of laughable considering Kluber's won two Cy Youngs in like the last, is it three years or four years? Like Something like that. He's coming off a 5.6 war season preceded by a 7 plus war season, even at whatever his age is. And Padres fans seem to think that they're going to be giving up uh, Hedges, Renfro, and like Logan Allen. And they're like, are we giving up too much for Corey Kluber? (laughs) And I'm like, imagine if we had Corey Kluber and someone offered us uh, an outfielder that had to be sent down midseason for sucking and a A catcher that hits 220. All glove, no hit cat, a Brad Osmus. Yeah. Yeah. And then a number four pitcher, maybe. Oh, yeah, Padres fans would want Tatis for Kluber. We're talking about the <laughs> yeah. superstar That's it. who's That's won it. two, like, beyond what we had with Jake Peavy here. Like, Yeah, I mean, uh, I guess the only thing I'll say is that sometimes trades don't make sense, right? Maybe the Indians will do something like that. I mean, we did just get Mejia from them for a relief pitcher, so... I'm not not that Mejia has been Mejia. great yeah, yet. Maybe they knew something, but because <laughs> yeah. they tried real maybe hard. they know something on Kluber. You know, like they if they real, that's a good point. If they'll trade us Corey Kluber for Hedges, and Renfro, Renfro, and Logan Allen, I'm going to be a little bit concerned about the health of all of Corey Kluber's arm. Right. So, yeah, so let's I, let's move on to like realistic targets, right? Let, let's work on some basic assumptions here, well, right? Well, well yeah. I mean, this basically you you just kind of touched on this with Hosmer last year, how it didn't make sense to waste those years, and so in that vein, I think the only realistic targets just to start us out, and we can start naming names, are guys that are either youngish and cheap. So those are your like, uh, I mean, I already did the Swahe Spangenberg examples, but similar guys to. Uh, Villain away of a last offseason. And so because they're guys cheap, who are cast off. Greg Garcia. Buy low opportunities. Uh, or or no, you're talking not, about. Not Greg Garcia. Greg he's Garcia old. is just a scrub. No, no. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, get the fuck out of here with that stuff. <laughs> no, I, uh, or you're talking about guys who are so young and good, they'll certainly be good by then, which are Harper and Machado. And I think we've both, we've all agreed that that's not happening. Right. But should. But, but should, but yeah. won't. Yes. they sh- Those should happen. And but so they won't. I guess I have. It's never made more sense for those to happen. So if we are talking about things that make sense, 
this would rule out, let's say, let's just throw a name out, like Mike Moustakis, right? He's a guy. That doesn't make no sense. sense at all. He's a little older. What are you talking about? Sign, I know. He's going to oh. sign a one or two year <laughs> he's contract. He's saying no sense. Oh, I see. Yeah. He's signing a one or two year contract. I mean, to Ron Fowler, it makes sense, right? Oh, but sure. To, to a value building team, he's not really a guy you're going to flip for a pro- huge profit. He's not going to be here when the team is good. Um, and he's a little older, right? He's going to yeah. be declining. So, how do you feel yeah. about someone like so Michael that, that Franco? That's not a guy where you're looking at. Yeah, Michael Franco is a good example. Um, I mean, but the thing is, I don't like. like I, I get, I, I get the buy low, mm-hmm. but can we stop buying shitty players? Like, can we just get some good players, please? <laughs> yeah, like, let's not get the cast offs that can't hit. Like, let's just but, get players that can hit. But it and doesn't. It put doesn't them in the team in 2019. It doesn't matter. So, like, the question isn't can I he hit? Guess. It's do we think he can be rehabbed into something? But shouldn't 2019 matter? Like. It should, isn't this it does, isn't this should, while we're like let's stop using this as a like a year where like okay it doesn't matter let's put some random asshole on the third base and hope he turns into something like this is the time to get a player which is actually going to be on our team like when we're good yeah i mean you're you're pre- you're preaching to the choir yeah, here yeah, i mean like i agree yeah actually, all yeah maybe up. let's <laughs> maybe let's do this the realistic targets realistic. Yeah, no yeah sorry. but but i think we should just <laughs> maybe we it. should just uh say that realistic targets should be bryce harper and manny machado yeah. and then continue totally. to add to those that list of realistic targets and now that yeah it's realistic because they have the money they're young enough they're good enough they even play positions where we could use to like an improvement machado especially yeah so maybe we should start our realistic targets with those um and not include the ownership factor when we're saying realistic. Yeah, because right? uh, that's a because yeah, it is it is bullshit that we're. I mean, granted, last year last year they signed Hosmer, and I think he was the youngest good free agent available. But the whole point of that was that that was like the start of adding more players yeah. like like that, right? So you know, something I really don't understand is Will Myers' contract. Why did they delay giving him the big money until the years when they start to spend money also? Why can't we have a front-loaded... Where, why didn't he get $20 million the last two years, wow. and now he's only getting $5 million a year? Well, the old, ar- the, disagree, the, old, the old argument on this one is that you should be able to invest that money that you didn't pay him up front and have more money in the future. So it's actually a smaller but that's not happening. contract. We that's not happening. Right. We know that's yeah. not happening, but that is the argument for why that doesn't make any sense right but i mean on a year-to-year budgeting basis they timed it to coincide with when the dead money came off the books so his yeah his salary is really just replacing the boost in his salary is just replacing what they're paying but i mean think about like this remember they they say a lot they look at or i think ac said all the time they look at the salary as a three-year window that's a lie and and if it's not a lie if it's not a lie then the thing with that is the expectation should be then that if they throw out a $70 million payroll, that all of those profits should be rolled into a future year in that three-year window to boost it above what revenue should normally support. Yeah. And that's never happened. Like, even yesterday, someone was like, well, they spent money in 2015. No, they didn't. They spent $108 million, which left them $20 million under league average that year. And they took a huge hit because they deferred so much of the salary into the future. Because if you recall, the Dod- they negotiated into the trade that the Dodgers pay Matt Kemp like four like and a half a year, can, like almost all of it. I think they paid Kemp three million dollars in 2015. The Padres paid three million dollars. Oh, the just in 2015, the rest of the salary and the rest was deferred. Mm. Um, and then they traded him to the Braves right. for that guy who like Oliveira. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And so that, a, that guy. The, the thing with the three the year, the three year lie is that for some reason the profits are always taken in, but we never see them actually output into 
some anything. Right. And I mean, this is all of our biggest criticism of the team is that they're not even close to spending what they promised they would and that they obviously can do and should do. I mean, they can, they can, if they signed Harper to a $30 million 10 year contract, they're still under league average payroll by a lot. Quite a bit. Like yeah. you can, you, we can sign, we can give like $70 million a year to both Machado and Harper and be like around average uh, league payroll. Like, right. yeah, <laughs> no, no other teams have this uh, flexibility like us, but we're not going to use it. Yeah. And to add to this list, I would say an owner who meddles in front office decisions, an owner who opens his mouth on the radio and says things which cost us potential value and having to trade players at lower values because he wants them off the team, uh, potentially playing or dictating that certain players that he likes to watch like Jose Perella remain on the roster despite having no redeeming qualities whatsoever as a baseball player. I would just add those as other complaints that I have at this point. With is ownership. the hustle not a redeeming quality? Hustle is not a redeeming quality. It is in basketball. <laughs> Pick up basketball, but it is not in oh, baseball. No. What, about, what about when he leaves the league and smiles? Is that valuable? <laughs> and I, I, the butt pats are is what really, pats, is yeah. what's really important. And here. even on that, he falls below Orlando Hudson did on butt pats. He was probably <laughs> the best butt patter in Padres history. Well, it'll be interesting to see it, having the guy who leads the league in smiles pairs with having Ian Kinsler, the guy who leads the league in frowns. Yeah, so I wonder if they're going very opposite. Um, Yang. I'm looking at the list of third basemen, and, and to me, the, really the only free agent, free agent option is Moustakis. But Solarte. Look at Chase Headley right there. Yeah. <laughs> with my autographed Chase Headley hat on right now. Yeah. yeah I'm, I, oh, I'm, I'm whoa, happy with that's that. pretty sick, actually. <laughs> Moustakis is the only one with positive value. Well, actually, uh, real quick, this is not a sick hat because this I got this in spring training. He signed this and literally got hurt the next inning. Remember when he like I think he slid into a base or whatever and hurt his thumb? Yeah, so if he hadn't signed my hat, maybe that didn't happen. That's placing a lot. I, don't know, I feel like yeah. if anything, that makes the hat better. More, more but yeah. yeah, more valuable. <laughs> so, but yeah. It's a soul-crushing hat for Chase Headley. <laughs> should gift it back to him. Like, remember this? Well, you signed this right before you broke your thumb and I mean, basically ended I, your career. I have all these random autographed hats, and I always just let them sit there and never wear them. And I was like, this Chase Headley one, like, I don't know if I'm going to really care about this one in 10 years. I'm just going to wear it until I can no longer wear it. <laughs> yeah. So it's gotten some good run. Took it to Seattle a couple weeks ago. Some, gotten, pod, some Padres like fans there were like, smudge. hey, I know that. Yeah. No, it's got some smudges. It's not. Yeah. But I guess it's not it, long. But Man, now it's not going to be worth the full mint value of $6. Yeah. Chase Headley autographed hat. <laughs> But yeah, no, I so, think yeah. You mentioned Mustakis. Obviously, we I threw out Solarte, which you know he had a negative one. He had really year. bad year, but he's not the oldest person in the world. But but still, these aren't guys that fit the mold of what we just talked about. But you could totally see them bringing Mustakis in, right? And and talking about all his leadership and World Series ring, and and he'll bring out the best in Hosmer in the clubhouse. Like you can already imagine the AC narrative, yeah. right? And then he hits two thirty one with. 14 home runs and 31 RBIs. Yeah, I could see that. Yeah. I mean, can't we can't we picture like this is a that is the Padres move right here, right? Yeah, and then next year they'll start the year and, off and like it'll successfully increase their win total from 71 to 73 next year. Yeah, and next year they'll start the year at like uh maybe like 32 and 23, but it will be like smoke and mirrors, you know, it'll be like not like something you can believe in their Pythagorean will be like 23 and 34 right. or something. And then they'll make some rash trades for some terrible players. And that'll be the whole window. Gone. <laughs> Gone to two years of Mike Moustakis and one Pythagorean. <laughs> I mean, that's... I hope that happens now. <laughs> no, no. Please don't hope that happens. But that, those are the sort of disastrous scenarios that I see in my brain unfolding. 
And that's why I hope they either sign the top two realistic targets, which are Manny Machado and Bryce Harper, mm-hmm. or they sign other realistic targets who are guys who are young, potentially rebounding. Yeah, I guess well, maybe and, and to speaking their credit, of that, isn't, may- isn't Will Myers that? Yeah. Isn't he a young guy we're hoping no, he, to rebound? No, he's a bloated contract that you got to ship off for like sending prospects with him now. No, I mean, I think I think he fits that mold a little I, bit. No, he. I mean, Chad, you think he's a lost cause? Oh no, no, but that's what teams are valuing him nowadays. So then, why why sell low? Like, why wouldn't we try to? He's the perfect buy low candidate that we already have. Well, he's not really. Like, I mean, like we, our whole he, roster is buy low candidates, right? Like, if they traded Margot or Renfro or Hedges, those are all guys I mean, who Renfro are at some level. At his, no, Renfro's at his peak value right now for sure. It may be. Maybe, like maybe over, like at the at his peak pro- prospect ranking, like a year and a half ago. But, yeah, I mean, he had a good year. He had a legitimately good year. So, if you're looking at the sell high guys, by the way, who would those who would those guys be? Is that like Framil Reyes and Franchi Cordero and Franchi's not at high. I mean, Franchi's. I mean, high. He, I know Padres he, fans think he is, but he's a zero WAR player essentially. Sure, but he's got a lot of skills. I mean, I'm going from he's from striking out forty percent in the Dominican League right now. Like he's. You don't have to convince me on why he's problematic. All I'm saying is that. He went from being kind of a guy that Padres fans knew of if they knew the prospect list very deeply mm-hmm. to being someone who's been on Sports Center highlights and is known for hitting monstrous home runs. I feel like right, he has some his, of the his, highest, his yeah, value is velocities out there. Yeah, I, but, I feel but, like but he's a little bit more known on that. Highest value. It, that's not synonymous with high value. Right, well, right, right, right. I'm just saying guys who are currently at their peak or maybe have a higher chance that they're currently at their peak that – we would stand to benefit from potentially trading. I would put Fran Mill, Franchi. You want to trade Fran Mill? Luke, maybe you, Luke. You would doesn't cons- want to, but saying that he might be just a p- a peak. Okay. Maybe Luke. Maybe Lucchese. Yeah. yeah. Who Luke else? Casey. A lot of the relief Yates, pitchers. Yates. Sure. Yeah. The relief All the relievers. Yeah. Well, I mean, we've everyone knows it. Like re- bullpen arms are notoriously um, volatile, just erratic, yeah. right? Mm-hmm. Volatile. Mm-hmm. And like, I know there's been a lot of attention on. Like their war total of the bullpen last year was incredible, one of historically the best, which is a, partly because they threw like the second most innings in the league, and war is something you accumulate based on innings. But they were really good too, right? No, they but were really good. Do we think Trey Wing Wingenter is going to be as good every year? Like I like to keep him. I mean, I, I like him. He's fine. Yeah. Right? They're all fine. But if you get offered something. I'd say that they're probably close to peak value also. Yeah. yeah. I mean, we have to get rid of Yates and Stammen. Like, the fact that they're not already traded is confounding. I think right. they're I so mean, old. A, and like, there's a lot of arms coming up behind them exactly. that can fill that spot. I mean, I, I actually think there's certainly going to be a few more trades in the offseason. Like, we have to do something with the outfield. I have to get rid of the bullpen arms they don't if have they to. do. I, I, don't, I don't agree that they have to. I mean, well, something, something has to break. To, they don't have I mean, to make room for Franchi right now. Yeah, I would. I would honestly. I if they're not going to sign Harper, I would rather have them going to camp with Renfro, Margot, Jankowski, Framil Reyes, and Franchi Cordero, and just see if the, you end up with two above average starting outfielders in the long run with those five guys. Like, I'd I rather there is in that. Group, I'd rather do that sure. than see them do something really, really stupid. Like, I don't know, trade one of them for a one year rental, like Freddie Galvis. Bring in they did last year. Adam Jones. Yeah, yeah, uh, exactly. Man. Something yeah. where you gain no information at least. Um, yeah, and so I always contest the narrative that we have to get rid of some of them. Franchi's fine in AAA. But I mean, the, the, but it's, certain... it's very likely that Franchi needs more time or that he may never develop. I mean, it's just, a, but we'd have too many players. We have Margot, Myers, Franville, Renfro, Jankowski. Like, some. Yeah, but you don't, you're going to have five outfielders, maybe. though. 
Oh, yeah, I guess you guys get to play Myers. No, I know, but you need five on your roster, right? Oh, I mean, Myers is our third baseman. Yeah, I would play Myers. Do you have five outfielders, really? I thought it was just four. I mean, I would say the average team... The average team carries five, but we carry six catchers, so we end up having only three starting pitchers also, and three outfielders. Perella's an outfielder. Yeah. <laughs> no, Perella's not a fielder. He's just he's, not a fielder. He's not he's a fielder. He's just not either, a fielder, yeah. He, he's a hustler. That's what he's, he's also yeah. not a hitter. He's, uh, <laughs> right. yeah. he's a butt patter. That's what he's there for. So, oh God, what what else is there to talk about? I mean, are there any other realistic targets here? Like, uh, let me flip through. Starting I mean, I, so I would think, yeah. So I guess for me, it would be the the high upside arms who have fizzled out and not had a good career yet. So there's guys like, mm-hmm. um, I, you're pulling up the list here. How about Pomerantz? I love Pom Pom. No, I, I, I wouldn't. I, no, I don't want Pomerantz back. I think he's he was a three war pitcher a year ago. I he think like a. not that old. He's 30. Keeps going down on this list, by the way. Shelby Miller. Like there are buy low candidates here that are classic Padres kind of signings. That Wait, we should definitely get flip. Bartolo Colon. Well, I've lobbied how is, for that. I've lobbied for that. For how years. is that not just like already done? Let's go down a little bit. And you know what? If they're not, yeah. If if they're not going to give us a good team, then they might as well give us an, an entertaining. entertaining yeah, right? he's forty six. Oh, you know, it's actually interesting to me that Kikuchi isn't on that list because I feel like he could and should be. Oh, he is on that list. It's interesting to me that he's not on a realistic targets list so far because. Well, didn't you listen to the last podcast where I read a portion of the Ron Fowler letter? No, no, I understand why he's currently. I understand that he, we're not going to sign him, but the question is whether that should be a, whether he is a realistic target and fits. And I think he is a realistic okay. target and fits. Right? He's not. He's not going to be like one of those Matsuzaka, uh, Otani signings that's going to get a hundred really plus knows. million. He could be Kayagawa. Like, there's not really that much information on him. He's a little older. He has arm problems. Like. He's not a, a slam dunk by any means. Sure, but he's a little bit, little bit younger, and I think there is upside potentially. Like you look at some of the other names on the free agent list, right? Like you named Bartolo Colon, but like <laughs> Giovanni Gallardo, or I don't know James Shields. Like these are these are guys with no upside, right? right. When I look L- at that, there's no upside. Gio Gonzalez. We always hear Gio Gonzalez's name. Yeah, minimal he's, minimal upside. He's 33. I could see him putting together a good year. I mean, if Chassin can put together a decent year but for us, a good year? Shelby also. Miller a good could be interesting. Two, two war. A good year, for, uh, and by the Gio. way, a good year for us, for the Padres, would be the player is so convincingly good by July that they're tradable. Yeah. Which some of these guys, even if they were good by July, no one would believe that they're actually good, which is what we felt with Chassin, right? Mm-hmm. Which was my argument with Clayton Richard is like, even if he threw three no hitters in April, his trade no value was still zero, yeah. right? Some of these guys, though, at least with Gio Gonzalez, I could see that if he had a huge early beginning of the year, maybe you can get something to trade I for mean, him. I mean, Shelby Miller is a legit Bilo candidate, right? Like, he, yeah, he was I, yeah. great. I actually don't dislike the Shelby Miller idea at all. Yeah, yeah. Even Martin Perez, actually, I'd throw on that list, too. Huge prospect pedigree, never really put it together at all, but still youngish. And he's an AJ guy. He and, was actually, for a long time, the only international signing that made the major league. Like... Over his first seven years, I think, with the Rangers, I think Martin Perez is the only one that actually made it to the majors in that period. That was signed by Preller. Right. That was a Preller signing. Yeah. Before I mean, later on, he, he wound up with, you know, Profar and Mazara. Mazzara, Mazzara. Nomar Mazara. But yeah, but Nomar Mazara, it's not like that was, it didn't take a genius for that one. They literally gave him like $8 million. Right. He was the highest, the highest signing at the time. Yeah. And, you know, there's a few others that may make it. Ronald Guzman is one, but... Martin Perez for a very long time was the only success that Preller had. So he there's obviously that connection from back then. But I look at this and the two Bilo candidates that pop out to me are Shelby Miller and Pom Pom. Yeah. 
Everyone else is 33 or older, really. Or bad. Yeah, like I'm flipping through here. There's. I mean, yeah, I don't think this is. I don't think like, this is an exhaustive list, though. Thirty-four when when he comes back. Yeah. No, I I I think I was pretty pretty clear on Twitter. I didn't like the Richard <laughs> signing, right? Like, I get it. I get what they're going for, and it's totally possible he's a good pitcher next year. But they're basically paying him to certainly be a good pitcher next year when the odds are like more than seventy-five percent that he doesn't throw over a hundred innings for us. Not because he's bad, because not because he's bad, because just because pitchers he's, that come off of Tommy John aren't shouldering a two hundred inning workload. Even right? a perfectly healthy pitcher right. has like a high chance of getting hurt, and he is like as far away from perfectly healthy pitcher as you can pretty much yeah, get. Yeah, but again, like even if he's fully healthy, he should be on an innings limit, which will limit the amount of value he adds to that team. Also, he's the whole reason he's signing a short contract is so potentially he can come back and then get a big payday. How much is he going to be wanting? want to be throwing eight inning outings right, late into a out. season for a 72 win Padres team in 2020 you know he's probably not going to want to do that so yeah I just see that it was being a pretty you know we, we look at it as oh it's only you know it's less than 20 million dollars who cares but when you start to add up that and Clayton Richard and you know uh, Makita last year and, and all year, these we're still paying him yeah and this year and now Ian Kinsler and all these other guys that in the big picture, never made any sense to begin with. They can add up it to adds a Machado. Up. <laughs> Seriously, over the it course of five or ten years, it, oh, it does add up to a Machado, <laughs> and that's the thing which is so mind-blowing. This is so stupid. What is this team doing? Like, I mean, yeah, we, we could keep Spangenberg, pay him a million, keep, uh, you know, Villanueva, pay him 500 grand, and, you know, then actually just, yeah, put all this other crap towards a Machado or a Harper and, and a six war player. Yeah. Yeah. And we, and then we'd have a $90 million payroll with Machado on the roster. Right. Yeah. So, God. so it sounds yeah, like it's, our, our, our complete- the Padres, the Padres are the baseball team that like you play fantasy football and there's always that guy that sends you like four of his junk players for like Odell Beckham. And you're like, dude, I'm not like, I would cut all those players you just sent me, like let alone losing Odell Beckham. The Potters are the team that like would accept yeah. that side of the trade. Like, oh yeah, hell yeah, Ryan Tannehill. Yeah, go sit on my bench. You guys play out of the park. They're, I haven't baseball played out of the park in a few like years, but but I yeah. Mean, but all this uh, talk about the Padres being connected to all these players is literally just uh, Preller sending over a shit trade offer and them declining, and then Morosi <laughs> comes out and says, "Padres want from it." <laughs> well, it, it kind of reminds. So the other thing that bothers me is. Like, AJ's trying to put together these really complicated, if the rumors are true, very complicated, like, three-way trades to, to get at someone. And they those those are, like, low-probability trades that you actually consummate, right? Because they're they're complicated. They're, there's a lot of moving parts. What do you mean? Like, a three-way trade is much harder to put together than a yeah. bilateral one-on-one trade, right? And so he spent all of the winter meetings supposedly trying to put together a three-way trade for Syndergaard and when Real Mudo or whatever. He's still trying to do this this thing for Real Mudo. Meanwhile, a bunch of players that would have fit have been signed. And like generally, you know, the the really serious people on Padres Twitter will be like, "Hey, I don't think you realize it's only December fifteenth now, or now it's oh, it's only December twenty eighth. Like, there's plenty of time. Off season sixty sixty five percent over already. The free agent signing period. So." Like Josh Donaldson, right? One year, classic buy low, sell high candidate. Maybe. Great for the Braves. Gone. What a great. He's signing. gone. Yeah, it's a great signing for them. 
Um, I mean, I don't think he so, would have so fit for the Padres, a, there, though. But there is a cost when you spend all this time pursuing pie-in-the-sky complicated trades that have a low probability of being completed because, meanwhile, the other 29 teams, they're moving forward, and you're losing out on players that would have been available or trades that would have been available because you pursue those low-probability yeah, and, and and so the number of options are reduced. Like, even if you don't believe any of the signings are good, at the very least, the number of options are reduced, and so you lose leverage. Right. Because so everyone else you're dealing with... Third yeah. baseman with positive value, because the other third basemen have all been signed. Yeah. Well, I, I'm fine with Will Myers for another year there, to be I honest with you. In fact, that's... Yeah. That's, that's what I hope one, they do. That's my number one option. Yeah, that's what I would... That's, that's seriously what I would do. I mean, I would... It, it, I'm fine with them pursuing a top of the rotation arm. I think it's too early still. Mm-hmm. But if they're honestly not going to sign Harper and Machado, then I hope they just cut the bullshit with these Ian Kinsler type deals and these deals that just, in my opinion, aren't going to do anything for you. And they either bring in some of these buy low guys or they just go forward with Myers at third. And those five outfielders we named earlier that are youngish that have potential future. Just let them battle it out, right? Like, yeah, maybe Franchi ends up sucking and striking out 45% of the time. And that's all he is. But at least you are the ones that found out. It's not like you traded a guy with potential superstar, you know, because you had to play Fran Mil Reyes or Hunter Renfro. You know, you don't have to do that. There's nothing right. wrong. I mean, there there is a problem where if they go into next year and Jose Perales is starting left fielder and they're not and they're still not figuring out which of these other five potentially good outfielders are good, you know, but that's how I would do it. I mean, that's, that's what I would do. Like basically the reason why it I think it makes really no sense to talk about getting Romuto and like even for other trades like shipping out hedges or Mejia. Like we're finally at the stage where we have legitimate uh like a legitimate surplus of potential talent at positions. This is not a problem we've had in the past few years. But now that the instant we get it, we're trying to relieve that. It, like, these are the problems that well, Chad, great the one, teams have the one all that, the time. You're the one that was like, we have to, we have to trade some of them. Yeah, well, okay. But like, the thing is, how many times have the Padres been burned over the years with a hot second half performance and and planning for the future off of that performance? Like Kyle Blanks, forty seven times, Schimpf, Jose Perella. <laughs> like it happens all the time, and so. Maybe it wouldn't be the wisest thing to sell off on someone to make room for Fran Mill Reyes until we know he's actually good, right? Because if you look at his minor league stats, he's never really done this before. So is that is that the thing you want to sell Franchi Cordero on? No, no. I don't want to. I want just to be able to keep a lot of the like you know potentially high reward assets we have and let them mature. Um, like I mean, yeah, yeah. You're right. The how I was talking about we need a good third baseman, but again, I mean. The only reasonable answer is Machado, uh, but I don't know. So I'm just, okay, I'm so just obviously salty about the direction that m- many of these decisions are going. Just to summarize, our list of realistic targets here. Bryce is, Harper, uh, Manny Machado, and then... Michael Drew, Franco. Drew Pomeranz. <laughs> Drew Pom Pom, Shelby Miller. Yeah, Shelby Miller, and... Uh, Kikuchi, did we throw on that list, maybe, yeah, sort of? Well. I mean, might we think well. so, but... Yeah. Uh, Moustakis, that's it. I don't like Mustakas no. on that list. Well, no. Get him off. Realistically for we're, Ron Fowler. Ad, we're not advocating. Yeah, he's realistic in my... Realistic. Yes, realistic in my doomsday scenario that's obviously going to happen where they sign Mustakas and then start hot next year and trade away <laughs> all these prospects is, and then die. That is the Padres move. That is. That's why it's most realistic. I mean, the most realistic move is that they bring up Paddock and he blows his arm out on start two. And oh, then geez, Luis Urias is actually imagine. a 240 hitter. <laughs> Fernando Tatis Jr. never figures out a strikeout problem. That's the most realistic Padres scenario, uh, but I didn't want to do that to the podcast. Oh, uh, dude, this is so <laughs> sad. Uh, well, 
<laughs> they're horrifying. So, oh, and they and they bring in a robot strike zone, and Austin Hedges is the worst catcher <laughs> yeah, in no, baseball. <laughs> well, his frame, his fr- his f his framing runs against average. I think went down like fifty percent last year. So. I'm some fully on value, board the robot. Um, highly volatile statistic. Well, you know, the uh, thing is, mitigated. if we get, like, robot umps or, or whatever, if they somehow get rid of the framing value, then Mejia only gets even more valuable because finding catchers that can hit is, is still the rarest thing out yep. there. Well, let's talk yeah, about, let's talk that. about yeah. that. So the next thing I've got, I just ran through a few. You know, a lot of the Padres players are playing in the Dominican League, the Mexican League. They played in the Arizona Fall League, right? So I just wanted to go through some of those performances so far. I don't know. I, I'm going to assume that the predictive value of their performance there isn't great. I'm looking at Marber, the s- statistician, but I assume there's not a super huge correlation because the level of play is wildly variant. Yeah, I mean, there's you, it gets factored into all of the stats that you should use, which is every plate appearance they've ever done, right? So it's a small amount of data to add to all that. Obviously, they're, they're facing pitchers of wildly different caliber. The bats they have against good pitchers are going to be more valuable than the bats they have against bad pitchers. But, like, I mean, if you're looking at the 150 plate appearances or whatever, they're going to end up within the winter leagues. What is What are you looking he's at here? Like, games, so let's games. talk about Mejia. Mejia is 66 playing in the plate appearances. League. He's got 66 plate appearances. Yeah, meaningless, right? He's OPSing 524. But it's, um, it's, that's a meaningless I mean, It's not ideal, but it's He's got no it's home fine. runs. He's hit yeah. one extra base hit and 66 plate appearances. That's I, sh- I shouldn't say meaning, meaningless, but it's like... That only you know that it's sixty six plate appearances right. out of what twenty four hundred is undoubtedly in his career. Bad. So it's, it's yeah. undoubtedly bad. Um, but you're you're right. Yeah, as far as sample size goes, not great. But I mean, it, it, it probably that goes, that goes for people with good performances as well. Buddy Reed had quite a good Arizona fall. Australia, it was Arizona fall. Quite first, good, yeah. but again, that's based on you know a handful of, of plate appearances. Um, I mean, this kind of does like continue the narrative. I mean, I mean, narrative. But Mejia didn't have a good end to the season, especially in the major, majors, and he doesn't seem to be improving upon that, especially in a worse, much worse league. No, yeah, and neither statistically or really the eye test. Like, have you been watching? watching? No, no, or, or just in the majors? Dominican, but I'm talking about his major league plate appearances. I mean, I mean, it's easy to see why the, he's so we exciting. All saw the bat speed, yeah, but. He has no feel for the strike zone. He takes terrible swings. He swings like Pablo Sandoval, honestly, like <laughs> golfing at pitches. And it makes you wonder why the Indians tried so hard to trade him away. Because it wasn't just to the Padres. Like we were talking before the podcast, like he was involved in another trade where where I think it was Jonathan Lucroy vetoed it, mm-hmm. where again the Indians were ready to ship him out of town. Yeah, I mean, he's interesting because he's like the exact opposite of Luis Urias, right? Like you watch Mejia and he has all of the like the tools, like when he hits those home runs where he's like golfing, you're like, holy shit, when was the last time we had a prospect that looked like that? Yeah. It's been a while. Uh, but the numbers don't seem to really back it up. I mean, he's had some he decent strike. numbers. He's had some decent numbers, but they, they're not as good as you would expect given his tools, Yeah, right? And Urias is the opposite where he's like, you know, putting Small. up a three, a high 300s batting average or... Uh, you know, four hundreds on base percentage, but you watch him play, and you're like, "Who's, who's that dwarf out there? Yeah. Nick, why is he playing baseball?" It's well, it's kind of th- interesting that we have both of those guys at the same time. Yeah, I mean, I don't think you guys are um, not saying this, but Mejia is like, I think, one of the most important players for the future of the Padres. I mean, like, there's on our current roster who has like an actual decent chance to become a legitimate star Tatis Mejia uh Paddock Paddock yeah uh, 
Urias? Uh, Urias, I, but I he's, he's, he's not. He, he's, kind of he doesn't player. have star ceiling, really. Yeah, I mean, but he, I, he's good. His he top good ceiling player, is star, but like when but... his his best case comp is always Plaxido Polanco, who, who's a good player, like a one. I mean, Tatis. I mean, no, 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 no. Important, his, but he's his top. Star. His top. That's not a star. His top comp has been Altuve. No, no, only, no. only dummies use Altuve. No, but even if you look at them statistically throughout the minor leagues, they're not that dissimilar. Wait, well, what's to like be honest with you, comp? this is exhausting. Don't don't they have this? I'll check. But, uh, one one note on Mejia though: it's for someone that swings as wildly as he does, he doesn't strike out. So there is that. And again, out. that's why I think he's like he can actually become a star because you know you can't teach that. Uh, I mean, we're getting into some uh, abstract terms here, but like you know, the hitting feel is something apparently Urias also has, right? Uh, and we saw that when he golfed those home runs. So I mean, hopefully, uh, he can learn to reel in his aggressive tendencies what do you guys think about the new hitting coach and them getting rid of uh god what was his name doesn't even matter one of, one of the old ones stairs yeah yeah him that one yeah i mean is this consequential neutral, at all no. uh does anyone here believe that he'll be the hitting coach at the end of 2020 <laughs> there's i think it's do, I would do we give him more than a year under of 50 percent that he's still there after <laughs> next year yeah yeah for sure all right so what, what are urius's comps uh, I don't actually know where they are on Fangrass. They're not really. Do you, Marvin? I but thought they. No, it's I... definitely not Altuve. The assumption that that this almost every scouting report says that he will not add a ton of power. He's not a twenty-five home run hitter, Marver. Like nobody thinks that. No one thought that on Altuve but, uh, either. Other than they, uh, that, they're short. And if you want to count that, then I'll give you another hundred players that are short and play second base that will not <laughs> become Jose Altuve. No, I'll say this though: any top fifty prospect does have a chance to become a star, unless it's a guy who was a college bat who was drafted and has not produced yet that is still inexplicably in the top 50 guys like Dustin Ackley and Yonder Alonso, for example. But other than that, if you're in the top 50, yeah, like you might not follow the prototype for what they're thinking, but if you've made that, you have a non-zero chance of becoming a star. So I lump them in there. Obviously I think it's lower than Mejia and Tatis, but it's not a 0% chance yeah, that I mean, he turns into a, star, a six plus war player. He'd I don't, be a star like Votto. Though, like his just like plate discipline and contact gets so good, he yeah. just owns it. Right, yeah, yeah. I mean, I'm talking from a value perspective of like, war. I, I, maybe we have different definitions of what a star is. Yeah, you know, I, I'm I, saying five plus wins above replacement is like he does it a couple times. Like that, to yeah, me he'll is a do star that a couple player. times in his career. Hopefully, well, hopefully. I mean, I think the odds are he does it zero, but yeah. I would say that the, there's a a reasonable outcome which includes him doing that. To me, Mejia is the first one out the door. <laughs> like I would trade him before any of the other prospects. Really? I think I'm, that's shocking to me. I would trade him before I traded Morahone. I'd trade him before. And well, I would trade before Lo- I, mean, I think Logan Allen is expendable, but I know a lot of people really like him. But I just don't I think four and five that. pitchers are that valuable. Yeah. I would I would probably trade Morahone before Mejia. I mean, yeah. I'm, I'm going to keep my bats before my arms for the most part, with the exception of probably Mackenzie Gore, Chris Paddock, and maybe Patino at this point. Mm-hmm. I, I think know. everyone else I would Warren's rank lower. Velocity jumping into the high nineties is very sexy to me. I mean, he did sure. that like a year and a half ago, though. Yeah, and 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 there is the argument that he's he's only put up like sixty innings each each year the last two years. Yeah, he hasn't had stellar numbers, but hey, he's obviously super exciting. And if you have a left hander that can throw, but just to put it on the record, John pitcher. Conniff from Mad Friars claims that he thinks Morahone could get called up next year, which to me is crazy. But that's that's Conniff. And we know who feeds Conniff also. That means that one of the Padres employees have fed him that information. Yeah, let's not delve too deep into the mind of Conniff. That <laughs> seems like a dangerous, dangerous thing to do. I really want to call him Morjohn, though. Every time I read him on all the prospects looks, I'm like, Adrian Morjohn. 
Well, you're just copying Jeff Dossett at that point. Is that is that his yeah. shtick? Okay. It's not even uh, shtick. That's just uh, how he pronounces. It. All right, I'll go back. I'll go back to Morahone then. Um, other winter ones I found interesting. Tatis had a good good season. I think he's still playing, but he's OPSing like well over 800. Mm-hmm. Um, has a little yeah, power, nice. little clutch power. Um, he had that spectacular highlight. Did you see that? I yes, think it was like a, it was, was it a walk off bomb? Yeah. It was awesome. Some good yeah. defensive uh, plays too. Yeah. I mean, yeah, I would, he, he's so, been so that's encouraging. Yeah. yeah, like if you had any doubts on like whether his injury would be lingering, it appears that it's not. Yeah, I would say that any any huge outlier sort of performances, like if you go if you won in the winter leagues and in fifty at bats at nine home runs, for example, that would be meaningful, right? Like it has to be an extreme outlier in for either two. direction for it to actually move the needle on your projection right. of the player, at least in my opinion. I well, think it's well, actually it has such then, a small weight. Is Mejia having one extra base hit in 66 plate appearances? Is that one of those no, that's, extreme examples? I don't think so. Okay. That's like it's a couple kidding. standard deviations, but it's not like significant enough in my I opinion. Mean, yeah, but 40 more plate appearances with only one more extra base hit, all of a sudden we have an issue. Real quick, I'm pulling up Fran Mill. Fran Mill is doing great. Like He's uh, OPSing 1,200. He's batting yeah. four. Oh, wait. Yeah, batting 400. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, again, that's in 51 plate appearances, but yeah, but that is, is encouraging to see at yeah. least that he's maintained because you would That's like that's two that's like less than 2 weeks of baseball right. though, you know. But, but you would expect if he is real, the this they're, is they're what going, he would do. They're going against terrible competition yeah. on, on the aggregate terrible competition. Yeah. Yep. So so you would like to see your your major league players dominating. Yeah, if, if Fran Mill what Fran Mill did last year was legit, this is what he should be doing to right. the Dominican. And, and that's a great positive. Yeah. Well, at least at least it now, continues it's consistent, which is great. The only other one I have to discuss is our pal Franchi. Franchi's hit okay, but he's striking out forty percent of the time there. Yeah, but that's not new for Franchi either. Well, that's a that's a big, <laughs> yeah, that's would, a big problem. Yeah, it, it's a huge problem, but it's not nothing. It's not anything. Like, new. It might not be new, but you would be hoping think, that it's old. I think, like yeah, that's old. Projecting Franchi to be a star next year, like they, a lot of people think he's this slam dunk superstar. And Marcus, I know you're listening. Look, <laughs> Willie Mopena hit a lot of. <laughs> Willie Mopane yeah, hit a lot of bombs really far, but it didn't mean that he was going to be a great major leaguer. Mm-hmm. Even well, Padre, I had totally forgotten that. Yeah, Willie I mean, Mo was picked well, up I think Padres. there's. I do want to make a distinction. I mean, he he hit long bombs, obviously, but specifically, if you go into like the top, like the uh, the year end, the entire 2018 season, hardest hardest hit balls, it's pretty much all Stanton. You got a couple Judge, and then you get like some Franchi and like. Uh, like maybe even Fran Miller or something, which is which is not insignificant. Like, no, no, it's not. But you can't strike out forty percent of the time and be yeah. awful yeah. in the field. You're, yeah. yeah, like like dreadful in like the field. blow a no hitter for someone late in the game, right? Which he did. So, uh, yeah. So this, is- which is amazing, by <laughs> the way. So, that was still my Padre. favorite. That was dude. We had some spectacular endings last year. Obviously, the drop pop up in the infield uh, is the one that we all remember. But the Franchi blowing that one was. Who was the pitcher? I, Who was Tyson Ross. Tyson Ross, yeah. Oh, and uh-huh. I just remember sitting at my kitchen table watching the game, and I think I was eating dinner with my wife, and I was just like too focused. I was like, they're going for a no-hitter. Like, I'm watching this. The very first play is what happened. That's what happened. <laughs> I was like, I turned it off. She's like, what happened to the game? I was like, you wouldn't believe it. Well, she knows, she's, she wouldn't believe she's it. a Padres fan. She, she would. would believe it, yeah. She, but she doesn't she, know better. Uh, she is a Padres fan, uh, but she just does not really care. Mm. <laughs> that's, a, that's a good attitude. <laughs> she grew up in San Diego. She'll go to Padres games. She understands the game. She makes nice comments about it, but it's not like she's going to sit down and watch a yeah, game. That's yeah, that's the optimal Padres fan. We're yeah. definitely in too deep. It's that's it's Mrs. causing Jack a drag on our yeah. life. Well. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, 
Franchi has a much bigger sample size. He had over 100 plate appearances, 112. He's OPSing 705, and he's striking out 40% of the time. How many walks? Actually, no. He's striking out less than that. 37 strikeouts in 112, 112 plate appearances. What is Just that? call 35%? it like a third. Yeah. So not great still. That's a lot better than 41 Especially maybe. considering the level of competition, though. That's not great. I mean, a 10% uh, walk rate? Like, he's actually, I feel like that's improvement for Franchi. Yeah, the walks are good. Yeah. Yeah, 10% walk rate. But again, it's wildly variant in the quality of pitching. There. Yeah, it's not meaningful. I mean, it's it, it's I, not I it's not meaningless. It just it just not... counts as much as any other minor leagues minor I mean, league just... plate appearance um, when you've corrected and normalized for the you know the environment and who they're facing and all that kind of but stuff. I think so when you start talking about well, we should dump Mar- Manuel Margot and just play Franchi Cordero in center field, I think there are crazy red flags on that strategy, risk wise. I think anyone who says with any certainty that they are like. If you had to rank the quality of Margot, Renfro, Jankowski, Reyes, and Cordero long term, mm-hmm. top to bottom, yeah. in whatever, wh- wh- however we do it, maybe peak war in three seasons with the Padres or whatever. Okay, I think you would get wildly different answers across Padres Twitter, mm-hmm. right? I think you would. I think we'd be pretty. Close. I think we'd we might see maybe fairly close, but like, if you asked me like how certain I was on my rankings, I would tell you very uncertain, mm-hmm. like. If it was flipped upside down and, you know, Jankowski was first and Framil was second, like, it wouldn't shock me, you know? <laughs> so I would rather I, – I think any plan that's like, well, Franchi's certainly better than Manny Margot. Trade Manny Margot. I mean, those are those are plans that, that are made by uh, fools. I, I mm-hmm. do think there's an interesting question, though, of that group of outfielders where – I'm not saying any of them are bad. I don't think any of them are bad. But is any combination of that five – are you confident that that those three are a starting outfield for a championship team? I think we can get two from that group of five. That, is that, good that are enough. championship caliber. Yeah, potentially. I think Franmil has shown that. Like, I mean, I, I sorry. Let me rephrase better. I think Franmil will be the top of my list. Uh, by the way, I don't know about you guys. Would you agree for your mo- for your peak value in three years with the Padres? No, I would not. Really, I'm not ready to say that quite yet. I mean, with I what, th- what with what you have I mean, now, I though. Think I think I would put we Renfro know. at the top for myself, to be honest. Interesting. I th- what's the top though? What are we counting as? Like, what do you really think? Peak the top war is? in three years. Three war. Three, they, how about three best seasons? I, I three top mean, yeah, seasons yeah, yeah. of the Padres. To be championship caliber, those three need to put it together pretty much in the same season. Mm-hmm. Um, no, I, I mean I think you could do it with two of them, but, but I mean, you would you need the third see, to be I don't know maybe Bryce, Bryce Harper. Harper. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but, but everyone's talking about this pool of five. Like we're set in outfield. We don't need to get any. We don't need to get an outfielder. We've got. Fran Mill Reyes there. But like Margot, maybe three war, right? Renfro, maybe three war. Well, I think I think the Reyes thing is is a bad fielder. Like that's always gonna work against him as far as value added. I mean, but like I don't think right now anyone I mean, I'm sure maybe some, but I'm certainly not thinking that this the outfield is set and we we're not gonna make any more outfield moves, like besides getting rid of like junk uh in the future. I just think right now the outfield we have enough players there that we can just say, all right, we're just going to let these guys figure it out for the next two years, and then we can 
That's what I do. Right. Yeah, that, and, and that's fine. honestly... And, and that's what we've always talked about, mm-hmm. is that these losing seasons should be used as a laboratory. Yeah. And that's why yeah. I was so frustrated with Perel last year. Yeah. It wasn't necessarily that he was boring and, and, and like not fun to watch and had no future, which were true. It was that <laughs> in, in that point in time, you should have been learning about these other players. Yeah. And every well, time that he was playing... No, no, no. They, he was a player that you needed to learn about. But, except the problem is that they learned everything they needed in by April 30th. Yeah. And they decided <laughs> to continue the experiment for another five months after that. Sure. I mean, I guess some people may have needed more time to make that ass- assessment on him. But yeah, I, I mean, mean to we your would point, know. They... apparently AJ still needs more time because AC wrote that <laughs> yeah. that blowjob of an article. No, I don't think that's AJ. I think that's Ron Fowler wanting him to play, and that's more <laughs> owner meddling. I still, yeah, I, I don't think Perella will be on the roster. in Twenty nineteen. We should have some kind of wager on yeah. that. Yeah. Um, <laughs> well, you're not even talking into your microphone, Chad. Hello. Right. There you go. No. <laughs> um. The last thing we've got is just a general discussion of the of the division because if you do want to have any belief that the team is going to compete, you have to be not only better than you were last year, you have to be better than the competition. Um, I think a lot of the talk has been like, well, the NL West is really down and this is a chance for the Padres to really seize the division, right? Do you guys think that's really the case? The only real projections we've got is on the D-backs right now, but we can have a general idea of where the rest of the teams are at. Like, do you really think it's that down that that the Padres should make a, a move to compete this year? No, no, I'm a little worried. Actually, the Giants are starting to like understand that they suck ass and they need to rebuild. With I think really a little bit. GM. Yeah, with a really good GM. Yeah, so I'm I'm a bit worried about that. Uh, I, I do think the Diamondbacks prematurely traded Goldschmidt. I was excited and to see him lose the division. Yeah, and they don't, I don't think they got much back. But they're still a, they're still much better than the Padres. Um, yeah, I think there's. A I don't know if they're in a better spot. I don't know if they're in such a spot that they'll be at an actual issue in 2021. You know, 2022. No, but, when we start our next rebuild. But, but, but 2019. <laughs> I mean, so so they are the only one that have projections, and their projections are much better than I would assume the Padres will be. Um, like just offhand, they've got. Is Pollock on the team though? I don't think he's actually on the team anymore. Right? He's, he's just getting projected as being. The, oh, they they don't have him on the. So okay. All three outfielders are projected for two WAR plus. Uh, they've got a four WAR starter in Granky, a three WAR starter in Ray, and then Godley, who would round up close to three. I mean, that's what like an um, average team looks like. Right. They're not a trash team. No. They're not. We're a we're team. a trash team. <laughs> right. We're a trash team. In fact, the only sub two WAR players projected are are Jake Lamb at first, who a lot of people would say probably has a room for growth and then the catching position which i think is like alex avila and whoever kelly carson kelly mm-hmm. so um, now, almost any position player would be an upgrade and pitcher would be an upgrade on the padres roster right uh so yeah we're I mean, so bad yeah, and the, then the so- are by no means a, a dumpster fire no and then you've got the rockies who are on their way up consecutive yeah. playoff team with a lot of young players that didn't get a chance to contribute like David Dahl has been a prospect for quite a while or injured mm-hmm. and kind of on the fringes, but he's a player that could be really good mm-hmm. that hasn't really had a shot. They've been, they've had the depth to not need him. Yeah. I'm, they might lose Arnado at the end of next year though, sure, which yeah. will set them back a lot. I'm not, or they could keep him. I don't, yeah. we don't know. The main one though is just the Dodgers, right? right. Repositioning and shuffling around money, trading Yasiel Puig and Alex Wood, et cetera, and kind of shoring up where they sit in terms of luxury tax and having more money for Bryce Harper potentially. I mean, they're obviously the ones that worry me the most, not just because of the pockets, which is a huge problem, but because they already have like a whole bunch of really good young players. I mean, Walker Bueller, Corey Seager, Bellinger. I mean, the list really goes on and on. 
young, I mean, just, just right there, young Those are three all really stars. young, really productive players on a team that has massive pockets that can mm-hmm. supplement those players and, and is willing to do it. Like the Padres can, they're just not willing. I mean, well, those are the sort of things that developmentally their rookies come up and contribute at a high level immediately. Yeah, they they don't have the issues we have for some reason. Yeah, I mean, Tatis turning into Corey Seager would be a really good outcome. Really, like good. Yeah, a sure. really lucky outcome for us. Like we would be ecstatic with that. And they have like, and he's probably actually he's probably the best of those three. Well, and but, they flooded their system with with international players the year before us, doing the exact same thing. Spent eighty million dollars plus on those players, so that means that their players are one year ahead of ours in the pipeline. And they do have a glut of like those, you know, to us just generic Dominican names in the lower levels, but like they've got that too. Yeah. Yeah. I couldn't believe they, they got away with that trade with the reds. Like I, it was a little frustrating to see, uh, being able to kind of imagine shuffle the deck and getting prospects back is not, I don't know. It, it was frustrating for me to see that because it's, it's one of those things where you hope the Dodgers, I mean, the best case scenario for the Dodgers, is they lose the world series Mm -hmm. and they frantically the next year make impulse decisions at the trade deadline. And, to, to an extent, they sort of did this year. They traded for Machado and and others and lost the World Series, right? So that's great, again, yeah. to not see them celebrate and have them trade away. <laughs> but then they offseason comes around, and they're just going to shuffle the deck, get some prospects back, and probably sign Bryce Harper. And it's like, well, fuck, when does that end? You know, never, like, I feel like never. it never ends, yeah, right? And so that's why and that's why these things like signing Ian Kinsler seem minor, but it's like, man, we need every advantage we can get. And so if that means there's a 2% chance that Whatever, you know, the new Villanueva comes and, you know, we sign him and he's just like a, a post-hype sleeper sort of guy and he hits. I mean, that's the sort of thing we have to have happen. We need to have like right. we need many to, things go our way that are small. Ne- we need to yeah. fill Nevin. Like, yeah. Yeah. Post-hype guy that is an actual borderline star. Yeah, exactly. Um, so, I mean, and yeah, we can keep hitting the head in, but like, this is why you need to spend more money as a team because th- you get that kind of flexibility. And you can do these kinds of really smart trades when you actually are willing to spend. Right. Well, so my last thing, it's not on the agenda, but since we have the whole team here, um, most of the things I've heard from the beat writers is like, well, ownership really expects 2019 to be better than 2018. And my question is, what's the bar for a successful 2019? Like, I know what ownerships is. If they win one more game than last year, you will hear through, through via the beat writers that the Padres showed some improvement this year that they can build off of for 2020. But, like, what do we consider a good year where where there is enough progress on the field that we think that they can actually take that leap to then win <laughs> I don't know, 15 more games in 2020 <laughs> and be borderline playoff. Like what, what is the bar that you want? Yeah. I mean, I'm back to 2017 win totals. <laughs> no, I mean, I'm hoping for large growth from your top prospects. Mm-hmm. So that would be, I guess, in order, maybe Mejia, Urias at the major league level, at the major league level Tatis, those three. I would like to see one of Margot and Hedges. Uh, or Renfro really become like an actual above average major league starter. Mm-hmm. Chris Paddock come You're up and be really good. Two and a half four plus player. No, I'm three three, three plus okay. three plus. Yeah, maybe even more than that. How about wins for the team? Yeah, I mean that I'm still hoping is like 52, so they get a high draft pick. I mean that's they're not going to be good next year, so why would I care? You know, I'm but, I'm hoping but, but, it's stars and bar. I would go with the stars the and bar, bar strategies. Where's the bar 
where they let's say they overperform. Mm-hmm. Where what what is overperforming? Playoffs for sure. Eighty. Really? It's, it's I mean, probably even five hundred, depending they, on who they, they, they sign. I mean, it's not or even day. Everyone's going to be jacking themselves off. I guarantee. Yeah. You. I mean, it's not impossible. Like the 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 bell curve on your win distribution in baseball is very wide. You know, it's like the Potters won ninety games in whatever that was. Was it two thousand ten? Mm-hmm. The Pythagorean that year was ninety one. But you go back and look at the roster, and it was not that good. Um, yeah, that just happens. They just had great health. They had great health. Matt Hel- Matt Latos came up and was fantastic. Like what he didn't give up more than two runs in any start. Adrian Gonzalez was great. Chase Headley was good. And no play, no major players got hurt. It just like things came together. So it's not impossible, right? Tatis could come up and be a superstar. One of Urias and Mejia could be a star. One of you know Hedges and Renfro and Margot could be good. Chris Paddock can come up and dominate. And I don't know, you know, like I- I've seen weirder things happen, but. The odds of that, you know, that's on the very right-handed mm-hmm. skew of that bell curve of outcomes. So, but it's not. That's not what I'm looking for. Like, I don't want them. I don't want them to randomly win 84 games next year and prematurely make decisions if they won 84 games for bullshit reasons. Like, yeah. their fourth and fifth starters stayed healthy, and I don't know. They got two WAR out of Ian Kinsler. You know, like those are the sort of things that make you make bad decisions because they're not bankable future value things that. That really drive your your bottom line. Let me frame it this way: If they win seventy five, does local media start start yanking themselves? Yes, and say like this is the improvement we were looking for. I, I think that's think- a projection next year, right? I think that I think most I of the know. outlets will put them at about seventy five. Vegas, I think will. I'm going to put them at less, but I think Vegas will put them at, around that. Consider that a, at least publicly, will consider that a great success. Yeah, I, they I mean, will, they will highlight that they added however many wins. I don't know because I think I think Ron Fowler is a little bit more uh, impulsive, and uh, he, he actually gets like frustrated with it. Like I think if they're not five hundred, you won't hear good things out of Ron Fowler's mouth. You might you might have a journalist like AC or whatever ask him a question, and he gives a more positive answer on it. But I think when you're talking about the actual team, if they're not five hundred, I think he'll or if they're not pushing for five hundred at the end of the year. Like right, if they if it if they enter September and they're close to even, I think he'll be happy with right. that. If they wind up with seventy nine or eighty, or yeah, I think he'll be fine with that, right? But I think if it's like another low seventies team and they're sixteen and a half games out by July third, you know, I don't think there's an outcome there that Fowler will be happy with. Now maybe the Padres dot com spits it a certain way, and mm-hmm. they're always going to do that. Yeah, even if they win sixty four, they'll be like, hey, but uh, Ty France put up one point seven WAR and two hundred at bats. That means he's a five WAR player next year. Yeah. Like that's the sort of I mean that's always going to happen. It's just a matter of like, yeah, you know. I mean, more interestingly, what happens when the Padres win like fifty games next year? And, and Tati sucks. Urias can't hit above two fifty. Mejia uh, strikes out you know forty percent of the time. Um, Will Myers is injured the entire time. Fran Mill is a scrub. Renfro goes back to AAA. Margot doesn't hit again. Chris Paddock's in the bullpen. Uh, Chris Paddock tears his ace, uh, his UCL, whatever. Uh, this is these are all sounding like pretty reasonable things to me, to be honest. Uh, that is the other side of the, that is the other bright side. No, 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 but that is the other side of the, maybe not all of those things happening, yeah. but you know, a, a combination of all those things happening is the other side mm-hmm. of that bell curve where I was saying, exactly. well, here's where. It, Here's how I could imagine it being successful next year. The other side of it is that. It's like, yeah. 
Yeah, Myers got hurt. Hosmer still sucks. Paddock came up, and he's clearly not a starting pitcher. Tatis Jr. strikes out too much at the major league level. Urias can't hit. He's too small. Like all those things happening, and then where? Then where are we? Yeah, we're totally. Then we're like, well, hopefully all those. Then no chance. AJ's fired. AJ's fired. Yeah, probably. I think so too. Okay, actually, I did want to ask you guys this: When do we start the fire Andy Green? Like, like you know. The full protest, you know, the the full that, fire Mike D level what of okay, with what what an acceptable level of wins is mm, for see. for twenty nineteen because they can't use the same excuses again, right? And so if he fails with Tatis and and Urias and and, and Paddock up there, like I, I'm putting it at seventy five, like that's kind of my number seventy five percent chance he seventy five wins. Oh, oh, okay. That he needs to keep his job, and that's an, that's like six games improvement. And based on the off season, it's hard. To, it, it'll take a lot of development hmm. for that to even to happen. I mean, just personally, I'm but still it, really skeptical about the manager's role in wins. Sure, but I don't think any of us are impressed by Green. No, I don't think no, any of us no. For me, no, I, I don't like him. No, at. for me, it's playing. It's it's optimizing your playing time for future growth, and that's where the Perella thing came in last year. It's like at the end of the day, there was one person putting his name on the lineup card, mm-hmm. and that was Andy Green. And there was, there's no, especially after April, like you said, maybe you can argue that maybe in April they should have played Perella. But certainly late in the year, he was getting starts still. And it's like, this makes no sense. Well, but that's the thing I don't understand. It so makes like, absolutely, like, even, even above a Swahe, it makes no sense yeah. to me. And like a Swahe, I mean, I think all of us can see the writing on the wall. And so those are the sort of uh, things I look at from Andy Green is like, from a growth perspective, is he playing all the young players enough, or is he playing? If he is he giving away me, potentially meaningful growth plate appearances to players who are not a part of the future? That's the biggest thing. That I mean, I look why at. is he even given like authority? Like, why why didn't Perella just get rid of Perella in like July? Hard, why even give him the option to screw up the lineup? I that's, mean, that's, like. I, I, mean, I agree we, with you. We also on that. know there's a there's supposedly some disconnect between Preller and Green, right? Mm-hmm. Yes, they dislike each other. We've yeah, heard. and they, like Green really wanted uh, Urias up earlier, and like remember we had the whole theory that's why Perello is playing all the time. Yeah. But like why like uh, Preller is his boss, right? Like it's not it's not a level playing field between them. I don't think, right? Sure, but at the same time, Preller can't just fire Green because Green's extension reflects back on pro like yeah. this is just normal corporate politics like you can't extend a guy and then immediately fire him right it makes you look bad like there's yeah. always corporate but i mean politics. andy green can certainly get fired next year like yes, i can't i can't true. imagine johnny washington gets hucked out of here and andy green isn't but going i don't think him, it'll right? be, i think i don't the, think it'll be mid-season like i think they'll run through the season yeah it, look, actually I, i'm gonna i think it i think it will be I, I think that if they win 77 or less games that andy green gets fired I That's think, a pretty high bar, honestly. I think that Andy Green will get fired before the end of next season. I think it would take something exceptional. Wow. Wait, some next exe- se- exceptional event for that to happen. You mean 2019? I think before the end of next year, Andy Green will be wow. fired, yeah. Just to wow. get Barajas, like a, a, a... That'd be sick, honestly. He, w- I mean, what's not to love with him? It's really. not like they planned Bla- Bud Black's firing very well. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? I think... Well, I think look, when you've got a talent like Pat Murphy sitting there, you find a spot for Pat Murphy. I mean, he probably... I know that's sarcasm, but Pat Murphy doesn't seem to be that bad. Like, no, I, mean, I like the, the, the Brewers it's are sar- great, sarcasm, right? sarcasm, but I actually like Pat Murphy. Yeah. And I think everyone takes a dump on him, even though he was put into an impossible situation mm-hmm. here, where both the front office and the players were against him. <laughs> Yeah. yeah, I mean, the, the thing that lost me on Andy Green wasn't necessarily just the stupid playing playing meaningless players over guys who you wanted to know, you know, to get the real value on. That's that's one. That's, that's bad. That's but... the worst one to me. But 
even past that, I could be on board if it was a guy who, yeah, okay, he's bad at that, but all the players like him. He really motivates everyone. He protects his players. Right, right, right. But, oh. but he doesn't fit that at all, yeah. right? Yeah. I mean, especially the Anthony Rizzo sliding and Austin Hedges thing. That was, for me, an open and shut case. You throw it at Anthony Rizzo the next three or four times you see him. Like, not mm-hmm. not even just one. Right. Like, you go into the game and Andy Green knows, like, hey, yeah, first inning, I'm getting tossed out of this game. Like, that's what it that's what it takes. You don't slide into our catcher. Yeah. I we mean, will we will end your career by throwing it at your hands every time we see you. So no, so that you set the incentive that no one does that bullshit to your team ever again. And he was just the softest little pussy ever about it. So <laughs> for me, it's like he doesn't have the other redeeming qualities that I yeah. could look past the, uh, the you know the player development one. So I want him gone. I mean, yeah. we've talked about it. He, he's bad at shifting. His mm. shifts are ineffective. He doesn't make the optimal. But that line. can't be on Andy Green, though, right? That that's Dave Cameron's uh, <laughs> department. I, I don't no? know. Everyone, no, no, Dave. Everyone Dave gave he's him, the assistant to Preller now. No, I think gave him credit for it. I think for a long time. I think there's confusion on Dave Cameron's role. He's a systems person, so I think he's actually like developing. You know how like Fangraphs has like the cool graphics where you can follow the win probability live, and they have these new graphics where you can plot like you know the pitch locations and stuff mm-hmm. like that. I think he's more from the technical system side of developing these cool tools to use to help make decisions. I don't think he's actually doing the intelligence behind this stuff. I think I there's heard from, based on the job title, at least in the description that I saw him get, that's my interpretation. Maybe there is a little bit of like, yeah, I wouldn't make that trade, you know, from a dollar mm-hmm. win. It doesn't make too, too much sense, but I think he's much more of a doing more behind the scenes than that is a, uh, less actively involved in player, yeah, maybe, I mean, maybe. No, no one actually knows here, right? True. Um, no, he, but we did he's see... He said no, nothing publicly since he was hired. Yeah. He's yeah. Made no Someone at Fangraphs, I think it was like Logan Hagen, and if chat said... Wait, wait, that, wait. A Padres employee has made no public statements? <laughs> wow. That's a, what, a, what a great employee. I mean, they have kept he's their, their best employee. <laughs> like For someone that was public-facing before, it's kind of interesting that they have t- entirely bottled Dave Cameron up. Yeah, I mean, he's... He's a great he's ambassador a for them. He's a yeah. gifted writer. He's good at reaching the public, and it's interesting that they've ha- they have disallowed him from having any contact with mm-hmm. anyone in the press. Well, I mean, so Logan Hagen said that apparently the role that Cameron has isn't what he thought it was going to be. Um, and I think someone else said it might have been like Men's Race. So who the fuck knows if that's accurate? Is that like he's an assistant to Preller? But again, we we don't really know. But well, I think the baseball front offices are so small that I would expect that position. Sure. Because like the I mean, the he, GM's going to need these tools and stuff, so like he should be pretty heavily involved mm-hmm. in helping to get them developed. That's at least from the job title I saw in the description. That's what I thought. It was more like in terms of like helping to develop them, like the infrastructure for how they get information and assess players, not necessarily actually assessing it. Uh, what is Dave Cameron's background? I don't know. He had a. I think job. it was front end development, a, or or maybe yeah, front end web development. He was maybe. some kind of software engineer, or okay. something. something like that. that when he sense, lived then. in Winston Salem, I think he was doing something like that. Or I see. That's cool. But uh, well, that's all I've got. Yeah, I, God, I can't believe we managed. To, how long did we even talk? Like an, an hour, hour and, and a half, half on this dreadful Padres off season. Jesus. No, yeah. we uh, we identified some great realistic targets like Shelby <laughs> Miller <laughs> and Drew Pomeranz. Just thinking, the time we spent on this podcast. Next year, it'll be the bottom of the fifth inning, and we'll be losing four to two. That's how long this podcast was. Can't wait for next season. Yeah. It's going to be wonderful. It's gonna be- Man, I'm sure glad to have you back here, Jack. <laughs> yeah. yeah, this is a great time, guys. But uh, yeah, so are we going to try to make this a more regular podcast or what? 
I, that don't ask me. Uh, Chad, this you actually had your first experience of being totally ghosted by Marver. Hey, not totally today. ghosted. Well, until it well, was no, late. no, I didn't know what my no, schedule was like. True. This, I so, honestly did not know what my schedule was like this morning. So, how am I well, supposed to respond with anything <laughs> definitive? Well, you can, you well, can you respond and say that you don't. Say mm-hmm. I'm doing this here instead of just having no response at all, <laughs> so that we have no way to plan. <laughs> you can just say you don't know what's happening yet, and then we'll know that or too. Or be like, I've got calls until X o'clock. Why don't we work around that? But mm-hmm. when you just don't have any response. That is a lack of communication. Yeah, no, but that's, don't that's don't fair. worry, Jack. This wasn't my first time being ghosted because I had actually asked him a bit earlier about some data science stuff that uh, he. Uh, no, hey, I, I, resp- I responded. No, that's not true. I sent you the beautiful <laughs> soup, and you yeah, figured it I, out, right? I, I no, no, I, I haven't put any time into it. Oh, okay. Um, I found I just copy pasted some GitHub for beautiful soup. Oh, I mean, so copy paste from GitHub is like the go to yeah, for any. That's some any, real programming. Any code but, okay, developer. Wait, actually, I still need to know: is there some kind of publicly available like projection stat that I can? you know, just parse back like, you know, decades of the zips you should be able to find on fan graphs. I don't think they have it for like every baseball year, think factory had all of the old ones. Hmm. Baseball think factory. Okay. I'll have to check a couple out. years ago. I did a little bit of work on that, but I don't know where that hard drive hmm. is. Hey, so. speaking of that, um, any update on the Keith Law manifesto? Yeah, it's so still, it's still sitting there in the draft box. Uh, How I haven't gotten to work is on it. it? It is as 12%. completed as it was. No, no, it's like 80, 85%. Okay. Complete. Yeah. I mean, all, a lot of the, all the crunching of the numbers is done. I just mm-hmm. haven't put it into the post. And then after that, I have to go read through it and then reorganize the post and make it make the most right. sense possible. But some good one-liners. I have a lot of other things going on, Jaggy. <laughs> You've got plenty of time to, to... I do not have plenty of time. <laughs> um, I absolutely do not have plenty of time. I, my, my whole garage is still full of shit. And uh, there are other life events going on. So it's just been really, really... Really busy because I just moved in middle of October and uh, that was two and a half months ago. Yeah, and and you know what, furnishing a house is a big <laughs> deal, especially when it's you know th- close to four thousand square feet. There's a lot of things to furnish. Oh, a humble brag. Yeah, yeah, it, is, it is a humble brag. Poor you, humble. man. Uh, I hope you can I mean, figure that only, out, buddy. With, I mean, only two of the five bedrooms are full of stuff right now. So the and oh well, good thing. I mean, yeah. you have three more bedrooms <laughs> to furnish. God, what a hard life you got there, bud. Yeah, what a. <laughs> Uh, I don't know if you noticed, but I too wrote a Gwintelligence post on like 75% done, but it is not very interesting because it is on the new Compadres Club Visa card. And it's, Wait, there's it's, a Compadre Club Visa card? Yeah, just to summarize, it is a terrible card. <laughs> <laughs> and, and actually, there's a lot of... Surprise. Like, if you have knowledge of... Like, Marva, you worked for a credit card company. Every point system... I, I work for a credit card company. Yeah, every point system is an economy. Right, like it's managed like a currency. A lot of times, there's inflation, there's deflation, and all this card is doing is it's going to kill the value of it for for actual season ticket holders who use the compadre system because now there's another mean. It's going to be a huge influx of points, not based on your spend on tickets or at the ballpark, right? And mm. so when most of the the redemptions that are valuable at all are auctions, you pretty much are looking at most season ticket holders will no longer be able to compete for those auctions when they are competing against people who are putting their regular spend on the credit card and accumulating points that way. And the danger is it's a really terrible value. It's awful because the only thing you can use those points on is, is um, 
garbage. So the card isn't even good in the first place, and it screws over the other season ticket holders. Wow. Really bad. The double whammy by Padres marketing. Look at this. You work for a finance company. Like I I take things seriously that affect people's personal finances, and it's the kind of thing people do because they're like, "Well, I'm a Padres super fan, and I want to have a card that has the Padres logo on it when I buy things." And like, it's something that's really bad for their personal finances, and it really plays poorly off of fan loyalty to the detriment of their fans' well-being. Yeah, it's like, why are you, why are you saddling your season ticket holders potentially with debt? Credit card interest debt. Sure. There's the, yeah, you want there's them there's to buy your debt. things. You want them to have more money, not less right. money. I mean, Obviously, you want them to have the ability. way too deep. You want to access. You want to give them me? credit. Uh, yeah, I mean, <laughs> like, it's absurd like, to me for a bit. Is, I didn't know this was happening. So this is, I'm actually looking forward to this post. Yeah, but it's is, crazy to me that there's an actual. Like, like United Airlines. Is it a co-branded card? Like who's actually, yeah, which bank a, is actually. It's a nobody, it's a nobody bank. Um, but the, um, like, like United Airlines for mileage plus employs a team of like doctorate level economists to manage the economy. Like, like, like the federal reserve would do. I really want to see the Padres like their, I don't know what their contract is for this. Okay. So this is yeah, what I'm looking at here. Bank. It's UMB. It's some Midwestern small bank, and I, I think it's an MLB thing. Yeah, but, but what's but what's interesting to me is actually what the agreement will be between the Padres and UMB in terms of like uh, the profit sharing and, right. and where the breakout is, is and and all that kind of yeah. stuff. I'm I'm curious who owns all the fraud liability. It's probably UMB, but it would be fucking hilarious to me if the Padres signed up for any of that liability, and then all of a sudden there was like a ten million dollar fraud event on these cards, and the Padres end up taking like a couple million dollar loss from some stupid credit card that they were very unlikely to receive any bonus from i can't imagine the bank would ever not be underwriting though uh you'll be surprised a lot of times it's profit sharing and the the bank will basically foot the whole bill for the fraud loss but that's not how all the the agreements are you know structured interesting the big banks when they do it with like for example if it's like i don't know like lowe's you know whoever finances lowe's credit cards i'm sure that's all synchrony isn't it I, yeah, they're the store card. Yeah, I, I I named one that I knew that my bank does oh, okay. not finance. So Lowe's is just a random example that they don't own any of the loss. I'm sure Lowe's has set it up such that they get a certain percentage of the mortgage interest, but all they really wanted people was spending their card as quickly as possible with as little in the way, right? I don't and even. This, what's, what does this even accomplish? What is a what is the point? I don't know. It's a crass. It, that's the thing. It's a crass attempt to to profit off of fandom. Fan loyalty to the... But it's all of MLB that's doing that, though, right? It's not just the Padres. That's actually a good question, because I'm not sure all teams have a point system. Like, like these... I understand a lot of these promotions. Like, when you get a Match.com Padres email promotion, like, it's not the Padres sending that to you. It's a co-brand with MLB signed at the league level. But I don't know if every team has a Compadres Club point system. To my knowledge, the Nationals don't. don't, I'm not aware of one that Hmm. they have. So... That makes me wonder if this truly is a league level move, or I mean, it is very tailored to the compadres fan rewards. Program. This is Wayne's legacy, right? Here. What's also interesting and, and to me is thing. like that's why I was mentioning all the economists. Like United Airlines has a team of doctorate level economists. Like all of these points, that Chase has you know economists running their ultimate rewards program. The Padres have Wayne Partello, a marketing <laughs> officer who doesn't have a college degree, managing an economy. And just my cursory look at this this card is it's so destructive to the economy that is there that I don't it's it's awful. It's just really awful. I would love to learn if the Padres are in any way responsible for all their regulatory requirements now 
in terms why of you, why don't you look into that for us, Marver? I, sh- I actually, I, this is actually fascinating to me. I didn't know this, so I'm glad I, and, I made my is, appearance this is today. Like a little preview of it, but like when I sign up for credit, I sign up for a lot of credit cards. Like I'll pull <laughs> out my baseball card binder of credit cards back there. <laughs> I want five hundred to a thousand dollars of value when I sign up for a card. That's what I want out of the sign up bonus to make it worth wow. it to me. The Padres are offering something that I've calculated to have value of twenty one dollars and twenty five cents. That's fantastic. That's wonderful. They're giving you a thousand two hundred fifty points if once you meet your spend on the card. Um, that's including what you've earned from spending. Um, that's not enough to get the terrible. Remember the Corey Spangenberg uh, fake hoodies that they gave out this year. It's, nope. it's this. It's pictured here. It's bad for the podcast, but it's the one with the '98 San Diego on it. it it's just a garbage hoodie, and those are selling for two thousand compadres points. So that's you twice your sign up bonus. And you do not have enough to buy a stupid hoodie, leftover hoodie, in adult, medium, or a youth large only. And just to juxtapose that, any airline you get on when you you know you can apply for the airline credit card, they're going to give you at least fifty thousand miles, which is going to get you at the very least, at the very least. A nonstop domestic flight, at the very least. Yeah. Most of these will give you. I mean, American two, Airlines will give you. Two if you handle it right. American yeah. Airlines will give you sixty thousand. You can get. You can even get depending on the Europe. distance you go. You can get four out of that. Actually, yeah, or you can go to Europe round trip. And yeah. So. And that's what I'm saying. You should be. No one. Out and a there flight should, is worth should, more than a stupid little. Throwaway knickknack. knick-knack. <laughs> yeah, like that's the thing. Like you, sh- this is just general advice, but no one should sign up for a credit card unless you are being compensated over $500 for getting it. It's a hit to your credit. You're taking on a liability. Like You really shouldn't do it for less than that. Do yeah. cards even offer that when you have really good credit? What, what $500? Yeah. yeah we, can talk, they making... we can talk offline, or, or I'm, I'm sure. working on a new podcast <laughs> called Making a Millionaire, where I take someone from zero to a million points and miles in one year. <laughs> is it Mike Chinella? No, I got a good candidate. Mike's already well on the train. He's Wait, like, is this a real thing or is that a joke? No, no, I'm really working on oh, this. Oh, I thought yeah. that was a joke. Yeah, you know, I've got side projects like Seal City SD, which I'm right. sure you've all listened to. Oh, oh yeah, big yeah. number one fan over here. <laughs> well, Marver, we've we've talked a lot today. We've we have. a lot of ground. Yeah, but I guess the point I was getting on on this is like there's a lot of things that I don't know if the Padres know they might have signed up for. I mean, I'm cur- that's why I'm saying I'm curious to know the agreement because they can't just randomly just start sending these offers to their season ticket holders because they're going to run into like redlining concerns and they're going to have to go through the whole gambit of Reggie and Reg Z stuff in order to make this, you know, legal. <laughs> so so there's zero chance that Wayne Partello. Is, I'm uh, well. I'm I'm out. sure the bank. I, I my guess is the bank's handling handling it all, but that means that the Padres' share of the profits probably extremely low. So I don't know why they're doing this. Like, what are they? Like on a real a real credit card holder that spends a lot of money, they're worth like uh, somewhere between four hundred and eight hundred dollars to the bank over a course of five years, right? So, how many people are going to sign up for this? That's a good Ten. question. Yeah. If they got if they got a hundred, if they get a hundred, or no, let's say they got a thousand, let's be really uh-huh. bullish. How much does that really add? If, I mean, if they're spending on it like a normal card holder spends, I mean, yeah. first of all, I'm going to guess they're going to get very low FICO people with a very high risk of you know first party fraud and. Yeah. Filing bankruptcy and never paying paying it off, and the Padres and UMB eating a loss, like the EBIT on these people must be it can't be more than a hundred dollars. So no, you're talking about maybe you're talking about maybe earning a million dollars over five years in an extremely bullish scenario on this, and taking on a shit ton of work in order to make it happen. I think it's a probably pretty poorly thought out and ruining and ruining your in house loyalty system that you've had correct for four or five years now. Yeah, 
Yeah, I mean, this is really bad, but I mean, this is probably not the most confusing, dumb business decision the Padres have made, right? No, it's only the latest one. Right. Yeah, right. right. To be replaced, I'm sure, by something they do in March. Mm-hmm. Yes. Yeah. yeah. That'll be fun. <laughs> yeah. You know, we should do a podcast just doing all Padres business and just railing against them on that. I don't know. I heard on Reddit that we talk about business too much. Yeah, but there's not much else to talk to. I mean, if they sign Manny Machado, I'll talk about Manny Machado for an hour and a half, but yeah, they don't do that. So, goddamn Ian Kinsler for 90 minutes. <laughs> yeah. But Greg I get enough shit for doing a podcast or for not doing the podcast. And when I get on the podcast, there's really nothing to talk about. I mean, <laughs> what do we have here? Rumors, <laughs> disappointing offseason, winter leagues, NL West teams. I mean, that's as far away from exciting Padres yeah. talk as we could have gotten. But it is quality but, prep. That's, quality <laughs> that's prep. true. That is quality hey, prep. Special thanks to Leisure Fire for not submitting uh, Leisure's Corner for this episode yet again. And uh, yeah, well, guys, I think we're, we're, we did a good job. Yeah. yeah thank, thank you, everyone, for joining. And Blood until next time, around. go Padres. Go Padres. Go Padres. Go Padres.